AXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Friday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, just after the hour of 10 o'clock here as we take you for the next couple of hours, right up until noon. Program today, a lot of football conversation, college football dominating the show today, although I'm assuming Bears fans will want to hear about their guy. They did in the update as David Montgomery's, uh, the call of Montgomery's first NFL touchdown preseason was, uh, was part of Trent's update this morning, and why wouldn't it be? Tremendous jump cut, outstanding vision. Boy, oh boy, if you're a fan of Chicago sports, for Cubs fans, Bears fans, you woke up in a pretty good mood today. No doubt about that as the Cubs went on the road and the Bears saw their third round pick uh, find the end zone and all that hype that has been surrounding him essentially since he was drafted on full display uh, for the first time last night. But... Still going to have to kick some field goals. Oh, yes. I knew it was coming. I knew it would be happening. (laughs) They have not figured that one out. No, not yet. They haven't. Rivera calls a timeout to ice the kid at the end of the first half. That was great. What is his name? Pinero. He he was the first one. He missed early. Eddie Pinero. Eddie Pinero. Yeah, he missed from 48 or something wide uh, left. But uh, you can understand the fans at Soldier Field. They uh, let him have it. Let him know about it as they uh, booze cascaded down. But a good start for the Bears, and particularly for David Montgomery. Nice night for the Cubs. Not so nice for your Twins. Man, there was so much going on. The young quarterbacks, Daniel Jones with the Giants was perfect. Uh, Kyler Murray with the Cardinals was unbelievable. Boy, he's going to be good, at least you think, right? It's preseason game number one. Mm -hmm. But in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, get that ball out quick. They got the perfect guy. Trent, it was like... um, you know, Wednesday night, you're clamoring for something, right? Yeah, yeah. Last night, there was too much. It was overload. I watched a little football, some baseball, a lot of frustration, some great moments, though. Yeah, if you're a Twins fan, frustration, sure. Yeah, down to a game yeah. in the standings, and it doesn't feel good. I hope people jumped aboard when I threw out Take the Indians when you're getting that 7-1 to one money there right around the All-Star break. because Here they are. I don't feel like it's going to happen, and... I mean, could this be the clubbing of all clubbings? Lose four straight here. All mm. of a sudden, you're two down in the division, and I still think they're going to be a playoff team, but it just kind of goes from there. Kluber's on his way back, right? Uh, yes. The saving grace is they play, the, the the Twins, excuse me, play the drags of baseball pretty much the rest of the way. Well, in the final two weeks of the season in particular, as we mentioned yesterday, what is it, the final two weeks, 13 out of the 14 days, they've got seven against the Royals, right. both at their place in the target field. The Tigers and the White Sox make up the other games. So it's 13 games in the final two weeks. Once they see Cleveland for the last time, they've got the bottom feeders of the Central Division that will be playing guys that got called up in September. Now, there is a rough stretch in there. So after this series, they got a two-gamer with Milwaukee. That's going to be tough. And then four. Yeah, where is it? Is it at Miller? It's Yep, at Miller Park. Yep. And then four with the Rangers. After that, it really lightens up. White Sox, Tigers, White Sox, Tigers. Got to like that. But starting in September, September 3rd, at the Red Sox for three. Not easy. Cleveland for three. Oof. Nationals for three. Ouch. And then three more at Cleveland. 
And then after that, and that's when you it catch your up. huge break. Yes, right at the end. Mm-hmm. Got to keep your head weeks. above water, though. You do, Trent. You got to keep within striking distance. Look, they have the lead as we wake up here on the ninth of August. So um, it's been a good year, but that lead that was. And we talked about it. Is this insurmountable? Well, 11 and a half. Kind of felt like it was, right? The Cleveland Indians was were scuffling along. Yeah. Jose Ramirez was terrible, mm-hmm. one of their all-stars. It wasn't a great lineup. And Kluber was down. And will they ever get anything out of Salazar and Carrasco? And on and well, on and the on. The answer is yes. <laughs> All of a sudden, here they come. And it's been and they traded away. Trevor Bauer, who will yeah. start tonight for the Reds. Oh, he does against start tonight. Yeah, interesting. I didn't realize. So he goes against Darvish, right? Because there's yes. Darvish on the mound uh, for the Cubs, and he's been terrific. Boy, the Cubs last night they get up to a uh, they open up a five run lead. Uh, no, excuse me, a four run lead, five mm-hmm. one, and then right at the very bottom of the uh, the inning, Hamels can't hold it. It's a four spot. Newcomer Jonathan Lucroy behind the uh, plate. Uh, a rarity in baseball, bases loaded. He drives in a run on catcher's interference. He isn't credited with an at bat, but gets the RBI. But then the uh, the bats came alive. Castellanos, as you mentioned, was unbelievable in that game last night. What a pickup he has been! What both a of his home runs gave them the lead too. The right? first was a yeah. two to one lead. Right. The other one, after they tied it, mm-hmm. Good gave point. them a six five lead. It is just the kind of guy that they needed. It was absolutely yes. perfect position flexibility. You can do some different things. Mm-hmm. Move Brian out to the outfield. You can play him at the corner spots. He can do different things with him, coupled with a guy that he has that want. He, he just—he's never been in a spot like this. Right. He's played he was a lot hungry of hungry when he walked in. A lot of August and said. September yeah, games. Meaningless that baseball. Never mattered. Never, never mattered. Well, he's in one now. Here's the other thing, Trent, and I think this kid deserves a lot of credit. Um, a for what he's done since he's been back up there. I know he didn't want to talk to Tommy Birch when he was here. He wasn't happy that he was in Des Moines. I'm mm-hmm. speaking about Ian Happ. Yeah. Um, look, there's no requirement that you talk to the media. Would have been nice that, you know, the, we would have been able to, Birch would have got some stuff out of him, but mm-hmm. uh, he just didn't want to talk. He was going to do his job and do his work and be a pro. And by all accounts, he was. I didn't hear, I mean, I, Certainly, Tommy's closer than I am, um, and we'll be there on Tuesday, so we'll talk to Randy Wayho for about that. But this is a guy that, um, you know, he he made the most of his time down here. Was he happy to be here? Of course not. That's what you would hope. That's what you would expect. But since he's gone up, he has hit some huge, huge home runs. He has had the Grand Slam the other night. He has just been out there. Even that first series where he didn't have a hit. Right. Over the weekend. Yep, in Milwaukee, right? Yeah, yes. in Milwaukee. But he was drawing walks. Yep. His at-bats looked completely different than what we'd seen at the Major League level. Where And Madden stuck with him, even yes. though he wasn't hitting. He, hole in the swing, easy to strike out, those kind of things. Yeah, he's got some pop in his bat, but that was about it. You can see he's becoming a more complete baseball player. And again, another guy that is very versatile. Yeah. can do a lot of different things with. Did you see uh, the tweet that Cappy retweeted this morning? Uh, refresh my memory. It was about both these guys we're talking about. Ian Happ and Nick no, Castellanos. I didn't see it. They have each been worth 0.6 war. Wins above replacement yep. already for the Cubs. Wow. That is more than the season total for Matt Carpenter, <laughs> Joey Votto, Eric Hosmer, Jackie Bradley Jr., Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Josh Reddick, and on and on and There's on. some names you just reeled off. Season totals for these guys. Right. And the limited time that both of these guys have been up, they have already... 
contributed, contributed more. In, in, a, in a huge, huge way. Yes. Well, it's Darvish tonight, and he's been fantastic, folks. He yes. really has since the All-Star break. This is the guy that uh, you thought you were getting when they gave all that money to last year, and last year was a complete uh, write-off. But um, And the first couple of months of the season didn't look good, didn't look like he was money well spent. So far, since the uh, in the second half, he's been great. Uh, as Trent pointed out, Trevor Bauer goes tonight for the Reds, so that's appointment television. Yes. Uh, so are the Vikings, who played their first game tonight. Now, we're carrying the Cardinals. We've got the Cardinals and the Pirates. That's a big three-game set for this Cardinals team, who just feels, Trent, that they are they're treading water, but their arms are getting tired, if you know what I mean. Yeah. This team looks as though that this thing is about to go in the wrong direction. Now, we've said that before, and they've clawed their way back into it. I mean, this time last week, they woke up there in first place. Uh, they were in first place. Uh, that's no longer the case. But um, I'm anxious to watch the Vikings tonight. I want to see this team for the first time, but I want to see Darvish and Bauer too, which is pretty damn good. That's a very good one. Of and course. Smeltzer goes tonight for the Twins. So there's because I love this kid's story. This is the cancer survivor. Yes, uh, that met that uh, Chase Utley looked up to him because he had cancer when you know when uh, he was going through cancer when Smeltzer was a young kid. Met his hero because they had something in common there, and now they're, you know, it's a, it's a great story. Smeltzer, I hope he pitches well tonight, not only because I like the twin story, but I like Smeltzer's story. And Shane Bieber on the other side for the Indians. It was a pretty good story in his own right. The all-star MVP, right? Shane Bieber, and he's been really good, of course, for Cleveland. So we got a good uh, good weekend set up Not here. bad. If you're a golf fan and you're a Tiger fan, unfortunately, that's where the good weekend is going to end. Because, oh, 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 you're... you're you want to talk golf and you're not going to talk about the guy in first place from Osage, Iowa? Mm, Come on! Is he from Osage, He's Iowa? He's from Osage. He was born in Osage. Was he? So yes. how long was he here? Uh, he moved out away when he was a little kid. But yeah. he was born in Osage. Come and on. Iowa is leading We don't the have tournament. a whole lot of connections to anything in the professional ranks. Give us Green Devils a little love, Ken Miller. I did not know that. Tell me yes. about this kid. Jay, uh, Troy Merritt? Yeah. That's about all I know. That's he all born, you know. He was born okay. in Osage. I've asked a couple of people back home. That Do they like, remember him? They remember his dad. Okay. And they're like, oh, yeah, dad was a real good golfer. So how, many, how big is Osage? I have no idea. A uh, shade under 4,000. So it's all right. Yeah. It's, you know, a mid-size yep. Iowa town. Yep. Most other places, that's a village. But in Iowa, that's a <laughs> decent-sized town. And, uh, yeah, he was born there, lived there. Dad was a good golfer. That's all I have. But you know our, our love. Same thing with Michael Walker. Remember when he came yes, up? Yes, cup of coffee for Walker, too. He's an Iowa kid. Yes. He was born in Iowa City, moved when he was like three to Texas. He's an Iowan. Absolutely is. Same he, thing with Troy take, Mayer. Take credit for both of them. Yes. Uh, boy, speaking of small towns, this this Dyerville story, uh, it's just the yeah. hotels, uh, Trent, the, um, the calls that some of these hotels in the area are fielding, trying to get rooms. Um, it's... It's crazy. And some of the prices that you're seeing speculated on the secondary market. Now, I'm not sure. Hasn't Major League Baseball tried to reel in their own inventory? I mean, you can go to the Cubs website, right, and buy tickets. You can still get them on StubHub. But I have a feeling that the secondary market, the Vivid Seats, the StubHub, sure, there's going to be a few but I have to think that the MLB, these teams, the Yankees and the White Sox, are going to try and control this inventory and monetize and capitalize as much as they possibly can. I mean, I'm just trying to hear maybe up to $5,000 for a... Come on, really? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, Where do you draw the line? 
Well, and it's a regular season game. It's one of 162. Now, it's in an unbelievable venue. Yes. We get that. Apparently, teams are already clamoring for 2021 that they want to be a part of this, that this doesn't seem like it's going to be a one-off. Right. And they're going forward. That's kind of the other part of this, right, that you have to look at and say, unless you are a Yankees fan, even if you're a White Sox fan, just it'll happen again. You'll have an opportunity. But and your team might not be there. Your That's team might not it. be there. I mean, the Yankees going back to Field of Dreams, I could see the Brewers. I could see the Twins. I could see maybe the Royals. Cardinals. Certainly the Cardinals, the mm-hmm. Cubs. You know, teams that kind of uh, in that territory. Well, what's the blackout area in Dyersville? That's the one. <laughs> you that just nailed it. Probably did, you right? You nailed them all. Um those are the teams that should be at least a part of this thing, you would think, going forward. So it's going to happen again, but maybe you want to be a part of the first one. Trent, it's um, I have no idea how you're going to be able to get tickets for this thing. How many people, how many residents of Des Moines? And don't forget, White Sox fans, just because it's in our state, White Sox fans, White Sox media, White Sox you know, people that have been following this team, supporting this team, they're going to get in. They're going to get the, a share. I can't wait to see the split of how this is divided up. Mm-hmm. Now, yesterday during the afternoon, I tried my damnedest to get somebody from StubHub or Vivid Seats yeah. to come on with us just to speculate. Sure. Boy, it's hard getting through to anybody at those two places. Yeah. If you're buying tickets, press one. If you're selling tickets, press two. Well, I'm not doing either. <laughs> I'm calling the corporate office. I want to speak with somebody and see if there's a PR person that'll come on and give us an idea, right? Just, you know, and then ballpark it. You don't have to be right, right. but I wanted to get some, cause we're, we're in the $2,000 range. Mm-hmm. And then as the day went on, the tickets seemed to get more expensive or the speculation that went up from where we were when the story first broke. I have no idea what it's going to cost. 5000 I think that's high for a game. Uh, yes. I mean you can get to the Super Bowl at the 50 yard line for 5 and drinks brought to your uh brought to your seat for that much money. That's the Super Bowl we're talking about. And it, it was the initial buzz of yesterday and it's still going to linger for a while but when we actually get to that point and people get their hands on tickets and, and from the StubHubs of the world all the way through to you know, just people that hey I won the lottery and I got a pair of tickets but mm-hmm. you know what I just want to sell them and make a little bit of money. Everybody in between, you put them up there and you put them up on a stub hub. Remember, somebody has to buy them too. Absolutely. And you'll see maybe that price point. Maybe we'll start at that $5,000 range. I'm anxious to track it, Trent. It yes. Is, look, the, the Super 8, uh, Darren Ravel pointed out on Twitter last night. Boy, he gets killed when he tweets something. Doesn't yes, he, he does. Oh, my God. People just He's nasty miserable. to him. <laughs> They are they are nasty. Um, he's got to have some thick skin. And I'm sure he does. Yes. But uh, he pointed out that the the Super Eight at in Dyersville that usually goes for a hundred a night, which yeah. seems high for a Super Eight. <laughs> um, but none, nonetheless, that's got to be the nicest hotel I would think in Dyersville, right? It's probably a fair character is this. I'm yes, guessing yeah. you won't find a Hilton, no, or no. a Conrad, or any of the you know the a, a Lowe's. <laughs> You're it's the Super Eight's a hundred a night. What's it going to go for? I mean, how much are they going to get? 400? 450? Yeah. Two night minimum? I mean, they're going to be able to name their price and probably call their shot and get it. Dubuque, same kind of thing. I mean, everything how is going to be. How far is Dubuque from Dyersville? Oh, to the actual Field of Dreams, probably 40 minutes. Something oh, that's like where, that. That's where you'd be. At least, yeah, that's where you'd, you'd want to stay, I guess. Right. But if you're coming in for that game, and some people will, some people that just have. Um, yeah, they're, they're fortunate. I'm not, I'm not criticizing. They're fortunate. They're able to do these things. Wish we could. Yeah. Um, we can't. We're in radio. 
Um, I can't wait. It's gonna be it's gonna be something to see, and it'll be spectacular. Track. You'll be watching it on Fox, and I'm going to try my darndest to try to get a media pass. Yeah, but there's just gonna be so many oh, because yeah. of the Yankee media. You ever you ever been anywhere where the Yankee in a press box when Yankees come to town or follow them in spring training? Trent, it's them and the Red Sox. Uh-huh. It's hordes of people, hordes of media. I'm trying to think of I've ever. I don't think I've ever even been to a press press box in a press box for a game at the major league level. Mm. Never before. I've been sure. I, d- I mean, I just... Twins? No. I've been through there. I've been through the yeah. Giants when I was out the, to San Francisco last year. A few different ballparks and like tours and things like that. I don't think I've ever, quote-unquote, tried to cover a game and go that route and really what it is, the free ticket route a lot of times. Sure, but To being right. completely honest, I don't think... I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't think I ever have. Well, the, they'll, there'll be more media following the Yankee team on that this, that particular mm-hmm. trip. Than oh, anything. yeah. So it's, it's going to be tough. It's yeah, guys will not be taking their vacation that week. No. For that no. one. The beat writers and everybody else. This is... It's going to be iconic, but it's not going to be the only time. It's five, not eight, a one-off. Five, eight, and 13 will want to be there. Yes. All the TV stations in Eastern Iowa will want to be there. Absolutely. They'll come from Chicago. Uh, because they can make a day, a day trip for that. So I, big I New York stations will probably send I would people. Think, yeah, you know, there's certainly going to be more media than normal. Major League Baseball, Fox is going to be. And there. how big is that press box going to be? Remember, they're building this field from scratch mm-hmm. and the stands and everything with it, and the clubhouse is behind there, and you right. can see the the entrances to the field through those clubhouse. This isn't this isn't a one off. This they're going to they're going to do this every year. I'd be shocked if they didn't. No, it, they found something here. Yes. Who, uh, when you saw there were other teams out there that were clamoring, I didn't. Brewers, I, the Bre- Brewers, Brewers have already asked. About They've already it. asked, yes. as they should. And of course, I'm gonna guess there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to line up for this. How it's about a great Cubs idea. Brewers, yes. Well, and, and with that, if you're the Brewers, and you're like, you know what, we got Cincinnati coming in, and for those weekday games, we normally get about twenty-two thousand. Take the Marlins, then. <laughs> yeah, the Marlins. There, there's a great example. Let's have them right. come Bre- in. Brewers, Marlins. We'll give up a home game and only have, quote-unquote, 8,000 in our paid attendance. Mm-hmm. But we'll do it there, and we know a lot of people will make the pilgrimage over to the field. I- I'm anxious to see how close to the uh, behind-the-backstop Marlins man gets when this thing uh, does take place. August the 13th, right? 13th yeah. of August 2000. Um, and, and twenty huge huge story still uh, some talking uh, some talking points of it a, a day later that's how big this thing is all right we will uh, get to Tom Caker to talk I media today we've got a couple of basketball questions uh, for Tom I guess Ference meets the media at two o'clock and then um, once they'll then after that they'll all cut loose and get over to the field into the practice field and see uh, an opportunity to get some of the players twenty minutes to Dubuque I'm told from my buddy Glenn who lives in Guttenberg it, it is twenty minutes but to the field of dreams site you're talking about 40 from dubuque to get over there to dyersville yes okay but the field of dreams it's not like it's in the middle of the town it's in the middle of a cornfield right so you have to go out you have to take the roads to get out there so glenn you're in guttenberg i get it you know that area i've taken that drive a time or two too you're not getting there in 20 minutes you're, we're gonna defer to trent condon on this <laughs> one are we all right let's do this trent we've got that keyword coming up what keyword are you asking well it's your opportunity to win a trip to the iheart or make yourself eligible to win a trip to iheart music festival coming up in las vegas uh text that keyword to 200 to 200 200 you'll hear it i believe 
Once we go to break, that'll be the very first thing. That keyword is coming up, 200, 200, be ready. We'll come back. We're going to talk to Tom Cakert next, Dylan Monson this hour. Bama Bob Trent and I will go around college football. Are you surprised the Kelly Bryant thing is as big a talker as it is? Uh, well, we're searching for topics. Nobody's really getting mm-hmm. arrested. Yeah, the kid at Georgia Southern, though, that did not have cocaine on the hood of his car. It was bird poop, as he alleged. What? Did you see I this story? I seen this story. Oh, I got, I, I got to send you this story. It, it is so incredible. What, so he said it was bird dung, but yes. and it actually was coke? No, that's what the, the officer said alleged. That, and it turned out to be? Not cocaine. I don't think it was bird poop either. I'll send you the full article. It is one of the craziest stories that I have seen with college football. Get pulled over. Cop says, you got coke on your hood of your car. No, I don't. It's bird poop. <laughs> That's what it is. But don't they, when I watch um, Live, Live PD, PD I, I knew you were going there. Which is on tonight, too, and I have no idea I'm going to get to it. But they've got this little kit. Yes, it's that's what it was. plastic, yes. and they that's, put it in that's there. That's part of this article. And you're if get, it turns blue, it's love Coke. This. If it turns pink, it's meth. What does it turn when it's bird dung? You're going to love this article. I can't wait to read it. Uh, by the way, one college football note that I came across yesterday. Did you know, Trent Condon? yes. That this is the will be the longest foot of uh, season in the history of college football, one hundred and forty three days from August the twenty fourth, which was two weeks from tomorrow, when Miami and Florida play, till they crown the national championship ah. is a span of a hundred and forty three days, the longest college football season in history. Now there's something Stretch we can all out. agree on. Let's go to two hundred. Uh, that's next. 220, 240. Uh, we will take a time out. We'll come back. Be listening for that keyword. Again, that number, 200, 200. I believe it's coming right up. Uh, I know that Tom Caker is Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Oh. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Condon, 10.30 on a Friday morning. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Tom Caker at com. Momentarily, uh, the White Sox have just announced that NBC Sports Chicago, their booth next week for the Angels White Sox game, Jason Benetti and... I love Jason Benetti. Jason Benetti. I'm not going to be real excited about a White Sox-Angels game, so you better come strong. Trent, I think I might have uh, elevated the excitement level a little bit. Steve Stone's good. He's really good. I like Steve Stone. Yes. Bill Walton. What? Jason Benetti Wait. In, in the booth doing a, bas- a baseball game. Uh, what? Bill I- Walton is doing the color of, on the Angels-White Sox game next Friday night. Whoa! <laughs> That's really good. That's it? appointment television there. It I could love be. Walton. I enjoy that guy so much. Pac-12 hoops, mm-hmm. late night on a Thursday, ESPN2. There's him just being as weird as weird can be. Well, in Hawaii, he seems to be his weirdest. Yeah. In that tournament, um, what, yeah. what's that, that, that damn thing? The, some classic. Rainbow yeah. class. I don't know what it is. Anyway. Maui. Maui. Yeah, whatever. You know the one I mean. He's And they're in their Hawaiian shirts. And, yes. Boy, he's a goofball. That he is. And now baseball, where you have more time yeah, as a color guy point. to stretch it out. Excellent point. Oh, boy. This Indeed. is going to be fun. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. He's going to have fun today. Tom, aren't you? You've got media day. Looking forward to it. Tom Caker, how are you? 
I'm I'm looking forward to Bill Walton in the booth, with Jason. <laughs> I'm just it's just that's the best. They did some games out at Maui last year together, and yes. it was hilarious. It was Jason great. Has such a great, great sense of humor, um, and he just played right along with Walton. So it's it's going to be just. Glorious, no doubt about it. I, I'm gonna. I mean, it's you have to watch it, right? You have to, regardless of what's on next Friday. I'm going to tune in for a little bit. I never thought I'd say this. White Sox and Angels uh, going to be uh, part of my viewing a week from uh, tonight. Anyways, Tom, you've got media day, but let's do a little bit on basketball first. Maybe it's not the Eulis they wanted, but it's the Eulis they deserve. It's the one that they got. Tell us about the uh, uh, the incoming um, point guard, right, uh, from Chicago. Yeah, yeah, uh, Aaron Eulis, the younger brother um, of Tyler, very different um, physically and style of play uh, than than Tyler, who was smaller and quicker and kind of just more of a dynamic playmaking kind of guard that's flashier, I guess, is the, probably the best term. Aaron's bigger. He's about 6'1", 6'2", um, and he's stronger physically. And he's he's just more of a kind of a consummate point guard. I was talking to his high school coach uh, uh, the day he committed, and, he, and he, the way he described him, it sounded like a, a better scoring version of Anthony Clements. Is mm. kind of what I came away with. If you want to, you know, direct Iowa guy to what this guy is kind of like. And that's that's kind of what I came away with. Will that work? If he can defend, certainly, like Clemens, you're in really good shape there. And yeah. Seems he, like they're kind of going that his route. High school coach told me that he guards the best guy in the other team, and I said, even if they're like taller, and he goes, "Yeah, I've put him on six, seven, six, eight guy." Wow! So that's what he can do. So we have Xavier Foster. He uh, trimmed his list down to five. I don't know if you're putting percentages on it. Forty-five percent Iowa, forty-five percent Iowa State, and maybe ten percent for the other three. At least that's kind of how I look for it. Your thoughts on Foster, and then what else with this class? Foster's certainly who they're big game hunting after. Who else is a realistic name or two you'd expect in this basketball recruiting class? Yeah, that's a great question because it's it gets murky after Foster um, just because it seems like I was in, but there's a lot of other really good schools in there, and they don't seem to be kind of in the lead, but they're in the mix. Uh, so that's what's uh, kind of, you know, it's everybody seems kind of equal. Um, Foster, I think you're right. I think it's one of the two in-state schools. I know Eric Bossier, our national guy, feels the same way, and that's kind of his consensus based off talking to other coaches uh, that everybody kind of feels the kids leaning towards one of the two in-state schools. Um, names I'd probably watch, Max Mural, um, a kid from Omaha, uh, but, you know, they, they always pick up like this really intriguing offer like he picked up the Stanford offer and that seems to have really caught his eye so mm. um, but he's he reminds me a lot of Aaron White and the way he plays um, a kid to maybe watch Martise Mitchell uh, 6'10 big man that uh, from the same town as, as uh, uh, Aaron Hill Chicago Heights Illinois they're good friends and um, Martise uh, you know I think is probably going to visit Iowa but Oregon's been a school that he's really liked all along, and they finally offered him. So um, that's what they're going to contend with. Um, you know, Curran Walton was a kid I thought they had a realistic shot at. He blew up. I, Arizona might be leading for him. 
Uh, Gabe Matson is a, a shooting guard from Minnesota, Rochester. I thought Iowa was in pretty good shape, but he's got a twin brother, Mason, and now Cincinnati and Xavier offered both of them. And mm-hmm. you, you always think that's yep. a, a dynamic with any recruitment. And Andre Jackson, the kid from Albany, that uh, small forward, six five kid, he's a top one fifty kid in the country, probably top hundred kid. And um, but getting him away from Syracuse when you're a kid from Albany, even though Fran's got a great relationship there, it's going to be tough. No doubt about it. Well, speaking of kids that are worth watching, Hawkeye fans would love to watch Oliver Martin. Uh, What are you expecting to hear on his status today, Tom? A lot of folks think that there'll be some clarity provided somewhere shortly after 2 o'clock when you guys get a chance with Ference at Media Day today. What do you expect? Do you expect that we'll know one way or another today? I I hope so, because this lingering question just won't go away, and uh, the other thing is, will they make Oliver Martin available to us to talk mm. to? Uh, I, I think that's an important uh, yeah. thing. It, it, you know, they only kind of banish uh, away the true freshmen these days that we can't talk to them. So I think that's going to be really interesting to, to see if we are able to get to see uh, talk to Oliver for the first time since he transferred from Michigan. Uh, do you get a sense, Tom, uh, it is 50-50 probably fair, but do you get a sense one way or another that uh... – you know, this time next week we'll be bet wagering on sports legally. Not that this prop would be up there, but <laughs> do you get a sense one way or another? If you had to guess, Tom, would you say uh, it's it's going to be pos- turn out positive or negative as far as this year and his uh, eligibility? Uh, well, it it is a true coin flip from everybody I've talked to. They everybody kind of nobody seems to know, and that's the weird thing, that, which always makes me kind of wonder into my conspiracy theory that maybe he's already found out that he's not, but he's mm. they're appealing it and it's still in that process. So they don't want to say anything, but that's, that's just me being a, a, a putting on a tinfoil hat more than anything else. <laughs> Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com joining us here on Miller and Condon on KXNO. Tom, let's uh, jump in a little bit. You'll get an opportunity to talk to hear from the coaches and the players, assistant coaches, Who's the best interview? Out of the assistant coaches, who's the guy that you know you're going to get something, something more than likely juicy? Look, there, there isn't any P.J. Flex out there, just diarrhea of the mouth, spitting stuff out all day long. But what's the coach that you're most revved up for today? Phil so Parker, always, mm-hmm. uh, along with Brian Ferentz. Um, but Phil will give you nuggets. Phil's always good for, I'm going to tell you about a kid that um, you might not be thinking about mm. and this guy's really jumped out at me. Uh, and, you know, fans love that stuff. You know, they get, get a new name on the radar uh, of a guy to watch. So um, I, I think we'll get some of that from Phil. Uh, Brian, just because he knows how to hold court, uh, he just does. And there's always a big throng and there's some give and take. And um, and Brian uh, will engage with you, uh, you know, on various topics, too. So, I think those two are always uh, two of the better ones. And Seth Wallace is always great because he's, he's pretty unvarnished about his takes on things, too. Mm. A.J. Epines, I'm guessing, is going to be busy this afternoon. Yeah, I probably won't even talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just focus on some other guys because I'll see him every week probably. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I, my philosophy on Media Day is maybe talk to some people that we haven't heard from, the people on my site follow recruiting so a lot of the like redshirt freshmen are guys that i will like linderbaum something like that 
Yeah, Linderbaum or, um, you know, even a Jack Plum or... John Wagner. Yeah, or John Wagner. Guys that might be a little bit down the depth chart uh, to talk to. And I kind of like to catch up with those guys just because it might be our only opportunity this year to talk to them. What kind of role is Dylan Doyle going to have this year? Uh, Special teams for sure. Yeah, Uh, I think that's one of the... um, You know, we've got kids day tomorrow, too, so we'll get to see him on the field. And uh, that was kind of one of my, I'm going to keep an eye on this to see if maybe he pushes for that starting job. Uh, just because I, I, I just wonder if he's uh, ready to make that ascension. I, I've always liked it. And um, we know he knows the ins and out of the Iowa football program because of where his dad works. So uh, I, I just, I'm just curious to see if maybe he's made that leap where he's pushing a Christian Welsh at middle linebacker. So with that, uh, speaking of the defensive backfield, and I was taking a look, you know, a guy that had big accolades coming out of high school and we didn't get to see last year was Dallas Craddock. I'm sure that's many people that follow recruiting kind of wondering about him. But the defensive backfield as a whole, with all the cornerbacks, the move to the cash position, how do you think this is going to shake out playing time-wise? You look at Julius Brents, big-time body. Mm-hmm. It looked the part certainly a year ago. We saw a lot of good things out of a lot of young guys a year ago Playing time wise, how's that going to work, especially a cornerback? Yeah, I'd even throw in, uh, you know, local guy, uh, you know, Riley Moss. Riley Moss, yes. Into that mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a kid who played, I thought, you know, he had some tough moments. But, but he know, had some good moments, moments, too, but, Tom. But he had some yep. really good moments. Yep. I mean, he had a, uh, he had a one game where he had two interceptions. Yep. Um, there's a lot of talent there. Uh, I think they're a little thin, maybe a player short at safety. Um, just because they, I, I, I just don't, I don't see the third guy there, um, that jumps out at you. So I'm curious about that. You know, if you're, you're, you know, one of their backups right now, one of their probably second team guys is Devonta Young, who a year ago was, was catching, uh, passes from, uh, at wide receiver instead of playing safety. So, um, I, I think that's, you know, a guy that's an interesting story there, but they have a ton of depth. Um, Deron McKinney is a true freshman that came in uh, last, uh, you know, uh, you know, in January, and he really, I thought, played pretty well. And you know, talking to Phil a little bit over the summer, Phil Parker, he's pretty high on Dane Belton, one of the true freshmen, and I, you know, wonder where he's at in the mix. I just know this: Phil always plays like at least two guys that are true freshmen gets them out there, and I'm curious who those guys are going to be this year. Tom Kaker at HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, we'll uh, talk in a week. Appreciate it. We'll read your coverage of uh, Media Day at HawkeyeReport.com. Thank you, Tom. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Tom Kaker at HawkeyeReport.com on Iowa Football Media Day. From the Hawks to the Clones next, Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribune. Uh, the a, the Iowa State media has had an opportunity to talk to a number of assistant coaches mm-hmm. already this week. We'll uh, pick Dylan's brain next when we continue. Miller and Condon, it's 17 minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Right, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, We've talked Hawks. Let's do the clones, shall we? Dylan Montz covers them for the Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com on the web. 
Uh, Dylan Trenton, Ken, you've had a busy week. Good to catch up with you, Dylan. Appreciate you coming on. How are you? Doing pretty well, and yeah, it's, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, great to be able to talk some football, and you had some opportunity to talk to some coaches. But where I want to start, and there's always a couple of these kids, Dylan, that they show up on the depth chart, but maybe at the very bottom, or in some cases they haven't even found their way to the depth chart yet. And they've got a story uh, to tell, and you told one on Darren Wilson. It was a pretty cool story, and right now he's third on the depth chart, and he's behind a couple of guys that... And everybody's excited about Tariq Milton. Saw him last year. Coaches are already raving about him this year. Skates is a guy that arrived with all that hype around him. And, you know, the circumstances prevented uh, him from uh, taking a step last year. But here's Darren Wilson showing up now. And yes, he's on the depth chart, but, uh, six foot three, almost 200 pounds. And he's got a story to tell and, and maybe a role to play, Dylan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they really targeted this kid in, in recruiting in the spring because, uh, you know, listening to Wilson talk about it, he he wasn't even thinking uh, he'd make a jump to another college um, until after his sophomore season at Butler Community College. So uh, it really kind of all came out of nowhere for him, but he's kind of had a long road uh, to get to this point. He came out of high school, um, was injured a little bit, and had one offer, I believe he said, uh, from Austin P. Um, and then he decided to go to Perimeter College in Georgia, uh, Alpharetta, which is where he's from, um, spent a semester there, and then ended up at Butler. Um, he had sent film out, and, and they recruited him. Uh, so he went and spent a season at Butler um, and was going through spring ball with him, really kind of just anticipating that he'd be back uh, for a sophomore season. And lo and behold, he gets an offer from Buffalo. Um, then Iowa State comes calling a little bit later, and then he also considered West Virginia as well. So it was kind of a little bit of a meteoric rise for him, uh, considering kind of where he started coming out of high school. But um, he has a real chance to go out and help them uh, on the outside this year, which is obviously, as we've talked about, a ton of position need. Tight end. Uh, Ken loves this tight end group. We, we've Hard not to. Throughout the summer, Ken, I think, has said, I don't know, they're probably going to have 140 catches <laughs> at one point. He's, he's gone that far. But a lot of times it's about, about Charlie Kohler. That, that's the guy that Ken is absolutely he's infatuated with. He's going to play with. on Sundays, Trent. You wrote about, though, Dylan Saner, a big dude, 270 pounds. Now, you normally see that at the tight end position in college football. You think, well, it's an extra tackle out there. That's what a glorified position this guy can move, though, for a big man. Yeah, that's kind of the most um, exciting thing about that spot is a guy like Dylan Sainer, who's 6'7", 270, and he said um, he's feeling about the lightest and strongest he's ever felt, which is, uh, I don't know, my eyes kind of went mm. wide a little bit when he said something like that because he thinks 6'7", 270 is, you know, huge. But um, the, the, the intriguing thing about him is how many different ways they could use him. It sounds like he'll be lined up in the backfield somewhat as a fullback and maybe a lead blocker. Um, he'll play attached tight end, and then he'll he'll flex out wide at times too, which he's kind of like their, their chess piece in there. He can get moved around, and depending on what other personnel is kind of accompanying them, um, he can do all sorts of things. So he can block, which he's, he's done primarily the last couple of years. Um, but I think you will see them throw to him a little bit more, which – um, he's going to be a tough cover for, especially if he's attached going against safeties and uh, and linebackers. He's just so much bigger than those guys. So uh, yeah, I, I think he, he, Kohler and, and Allen are certainly um, nice pieces and, and something to be kind of looking forward to. But Saner, I think, can unlock maybe some of the extra potential that the uh, offense has. Chase Allen, a guy that's certainly very talented, just hasn't been able to stay on the field. A lot of times, there's 
guys that are just like that, that are injury-prone and never can get through that. Do you think he's past that? I mean, I know, understand this is more of a guess than anything, but when you look at the injury and the history that he has had there, what's your expectations for Chase Allen? Yeah, I, I, it sounds like he's as healthy as he's been um, since he got on campus. He's, he's kind of had a rough road. Um, uh, you know, he got hit by that car. His oh, that's right. And, 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 and they created that walkway uh, kind of by the Bergstrom complex. And then um, he had the groin injury that, that sidelined him last year. So he's just had these things that have really um, just hampered maybe what he can do. But now I think um, he, he's in, I think he's listed at 6'6 or 6'7 and 245 pounds. So he's, he's put on a ton of weight. He's a lot bigger than he was when he first walked on campus. And I think, um, he, he's as confident as he's, he's been too, which is, is a big deal. And you can't always prevent injuries, but I don't necessarily know if he's more injury prone now. I think he's, he's, he's spent a lot of time in the weight room and in the training room and, and sounds like he's ready to go and, and looks, looks as good as he has too. You know, they really do have a lot of guys that are going to be able to catch the football. I mean, last couple of years they had Lazar and they had Butler and Marchie Murdoch was a nice player and Matthew Wheaton was a nice player. But this year, when you factor in, you know, we, we threw out Darren Wilson earlier and Skates and Milton and Deshante Jones and Akers is a guy that's kind of flying under the radar and the transfer Petway and Sean Shaw, who's got some guys salivating just for his size alone at six foot six. Man, they got some dudes at that position, Dylan. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of maybe the, the aspect that isn't talked about as much. I, I think people talk about what they lose in Butler and Eaton, which are, are certainly losses, but they have candidates to step up into those wide receiver positions, but it's a matter of not necessarily seeing those guys do it at this level before, and that's kind of the unknown with it all. But uh, I, I think Iowa State feels really good about maybe what, what those guys offer. It's just seeing them do it in the game, which is the next step, but that's kind of what this camp is for is kind of maybe sussing out who who can be those guys that get the first crack at it. He also had an opportunity to talk to the wide receiver coach, Nate Shieldhouse. First him just as an individual. You continue to hear kind of a rising star yep. in the coaching community, a guy that probably his next stop is going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. Him and then dig into that wide receiver group. Ton of names trying to sort out who's going to be playing. Yeah, so he's, He's a really interesting guy. Um, obviously, really smart quarterback mm-hmm. at Illinois. Um, started there for a few years. Um, was on staff there for a little while um, under Lovey Smith, and then eventually made his way to Ames and uh, was the running backs coach, coach last year. But now is the wide receivers coach. And um, you know, I, I think the one thing with him, he, he's kind of like um, uh, Matt Campbell in a sense. He, he, I think he's a really good relationship builder. He's turned into one of their best recruiters. Uh, he's pulled guys out of. Um, the Kansas City area, he's, he's been key on some guys that they got from San Antonio. So uh, I, I think that part's really big. And um, having the background that he does as a quarterback, I think he really knows what to look for in wide receivers. Um, you know, and, and those wide receivers have to fit Brock Purdy as well. But I think he can kind of, um, you know, relay what maybe Matt Campbell and Tom Manning are looking for and then kind of put it through the filter and, and kind of seen it through his eyes as a former quarterback as well. And, and really help those guys get better. So I think it's a, it's a good spot for him to be in, and especially this year when it's um, you know a little bit of a turnover from maybe what it's been uh, the last couple. You know, I was thinking about you last night, Dylan, when I was watching you uh, on Twitter. 
Um, you know, there's there's another area of your job that you've never had before. I mean, I know that the Matt Campbell teleconference stuff or the press, the the, uh, the radio show, you you recap that now. But now you're having to watch some preseason NFL football because <laughs> for the first time, maybe ever, uh, certainly in a long time, um, there's not just one former Cyclone that's having an impact on a NFL field. So, man, Lazard scores a touchdown. David Montgomery was out of this world last night, the time that he was in there. Uh, Butler didn't light it up last night, but you had to watch the Cardinals just to see if he would. He was only targeted once, and he caught the ball that was thrown his way. But for, for the first time ever, Cyclones at skill positions, you're having to track those and uh, keep the Cyclone fan base uh, up to date on that. Yeah, and that's you just mentioned it there. That's the big difference. It's guys at skill positions, which is something that's really kind of changed now. Um, you know, you, you can talk about guys in the past like Colecio Semele or even AJ Klein at uh, linebacker. Those are guys that, you know, people are obviously interested in and pay attention to. But when they're high profile positions like a wide receiver or a running back, it's a little bit different of a ball game. And, you know, certainly it's, it's the preseason and I think everybody kind of understands that. But, um, it, it's neat to see guys that, you know, were just here in, in our backyards basically um, the last year to now um, going out and playing not only for, you know, NFL teams, but some of the, you know, more recognizable or regional or, or storied franchises. So it's, it, it, it is kind of cool and, and something that is, is a little bit different, something extra, I guess, to pay attention to. Uh, what will you be paying attention to this weekend? What coaches do you get? And when's their first scrimmage? And not that you guys will be able to watch it, but you'll be able to get some access afterwards. So when's the first scrimmage and who do you get this weekend? Yeah, you know what? Actually, we don't get anything this weekend. Um, they will have a scrimmage on Saturday, but we won't get to uh, reconvene with them until Monday. So a uh, little bit of a layoff here now. Um, but we get going back with a, a couple positions uh, next week. And then I, I believe John Haycock, uh, the defensive coordinator, is on Tuesday. So it'll kind of round out a little bit there and, and hopefully get some nuggets from the scrimmage. Absolutely. Well, we you, I know that you had a bunch of uh, assistants earlier this week, and Trent and I never brought them up. So we'll save those for Monday as we are out of time. Have a wonderful weekend, Dylan. Thank you for doing this for us. Uh, and we'll talk to you on Monday as we're now with Dylan Montz twice weekly, and our show's better off for it. Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Take Good care. to talk to you. Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune. You can read him at amestrib.com. Him, Travis Hines, basketball team is gone. Or they're leaving today, I think. Yep, leaving this weekend for Italy. Nice for them. Yes. All right, uh, 11 o'clock hours next. Bama Bob is part of it. So is Claxon's giveaway. Trent and I will be back after this timeout. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.